G'day, 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 and welcome everyone. That's our resident scaredy cat, Kate. And that's the horror junkie, Dominic. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about some scary stuff. The sort of fear your asshole knows about. As always, subscribe, rate, and review us. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Shit and Bricks Podcast. All right, drop your dax, pop a squat, and let's get into it. Hi, Kate. Hi, Chell. Hi, Dom. Hello. <laughs> How are you today? I'm fabulous. How are you two doing? What's this about? Super. Oh, my gosh. So if you've been listening um, and if you have been watching our socials, you will all know that we started our Patreon last Friday. Um, so if you haven't, firstly, if you haven't signed up, please do. It's only a couple of bucks and it's monthly. So it could cost you like five bucks a month. And there's some great bonus content we're going to start putting out. But we had an award for our first patron. Patron? Patron. Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, our winner for our episode was uh, Chelsea, and we managed to get her for an exclusive interview in person. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, guys. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't come for us and be funnier than Kate and I. <laughs> No, we like that. We always, we're, we're here. If any of us need to step out, we know if someone who can step in. I have so many stories that I could tell on this it's podcast. True. It's oh so my god! True. So how did you get the golden crapper, Charles? What'd you do? I um, subscribed. Is that the right I think thing? So. Is it, do you subscribe to a Patreon? Yeah, because yeah. you'll be paying us for the rest of your life. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I was the first one. I was the first one to to do it. I had the week off and I just happened to be fluffing around on my phone in the morning and I'm like, oh, I best do that while I'm thinking of it. And I just happened to be the first and now I get a super special trophy. You do and you can put it in your toilet. That's what I recommend, but you can put it wherever you want. It's going to be my most prized possession. (laughs) So, of course, it will go in my toilet. It's such a good conversation starter. Imagine having people come over and you can explain what it all is. And 100%. It's like recruiting new listeners for us, Kate. I love it. Exactly. It's perfect. Now, Charles, before we let you go, what is your favourite episode or a highlight episode of our podcast so far? Or a couple, whatever. I mean, Fridays is my favourite day for many reasons. But the number one reason is because it's the new episode of Shit and Bricks. Good answer. So I always hang out at... I work from home and at lunchtime on a Friday I will walk my dogs and I will always wait until the new episode of Shit and Bricks is out so that I can listen to it while I walk the dogs and sometimes I get an extra long walk on a Friday because I need to finish the episode. I can't be going home if I'm halfway through. No, no cliffhangers. But definitely one of the standouts for me was the – I can't remember what the flight name was. It was the story you did, Dom – um about them being stranded yeah the miracle flight one oh my god i loved that and i cannot believe i waited so long to get the second half of that (laughs) killed me we've definitely learned from from that feedback we've we haven't left people hanging since and we won't but uh yeah that was quite the wait it was it was hectic but that is absolutely 100 percent one of my most favorite episodes dual episodes for sure yeah excellent so that's for your listeners if you're listening now and you haven't uh heard miracle flight go back and have a listen because that is our golden crapper guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> you will enjoy those episodes. 100%. 100%. An extra flush just for just for that one. <laughs> and one of the bonuses of uh, Chelsea being a patron is now she gets early access to the episodes before all the rest of you non-patrons. So just get on board and give us some money, please. 
Yeah, let's do it. And I get bonus content and all sorts of special bonus things and MVP and tickets to shows and things. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. It's going to be so good. This is perfect. I've trained you so well. I gave her a script prior to this. (laughs) (laughs) It's all coming from my heart, I promise. (laughs) Or from your bowels in this instance of our theme. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome, guys. Thanks so much for having me. And I just, you guys are the best. I just love you. I love listening to your podcast. I said to Kate before, I've known you both since you were born, uh, but I am fangirling so hard. So keep doing what you're doing because it is just the best. So thank you for entertaining my Fridays. I'm going to leave you to it so that you can record another episode so I can listen to next Friday. Perfect. Love you, Chell. Love you guys. Thank you. Oh, she's like the best listener we've ever had. I know. And I know we've said this before and it's going to sound like, is it nepotism? Yeah, nepotism is the relation one, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is no nepotism here. It's just quite literally Chelsea is our number one fan and has been since the beginning. So, uh, yeah, it was just luck of the draw. And that's, uh, yeah, that was where we we ended up. So I'm just going to close my door one moment. Why not? Well, look, the deal is it's snooze you lose. So if you're... If you are too slow, you just miss out on the Golden Crapper Award and Chell wasn't slow. So, yeah. Welcome back, Kate. Good to have you back with us. How's the door going? (laughs) Oh, totally closed. Mission accomplished. (laughs) All righty. Well, shall we get into our story of the week? Yes, please. All right. (laughs) I've just unbuttoned my top button because my pants are too tight. Oh, I thought it was just because it's such a big episode. You're like, <laughs> I got to get into it. it got to get ready. It kind of is. This one's a this one's a chunky one, and I'm gonna power through because it's just. I mean, I could spend weeks and weeks on this topic, so I'm obviously gonna have to redo, um, maybe another story another time. But yeah, I mean, I just spent three weeks doing stories, so you're welcome to. <laughs> Take as much time as you want. No, there won't be any qualms from me. Kate's just like, please give me a fucking break. I'm sick of writing. <laughs> no, not at all. I love it. I love it. It's so funny because Dom and I were talking about, um, yeah, how we just get so into it. We really do. It's just, it becomes a little bit addictive. It's so fun. Yeah. Well, this topic for this week, it's one of those ones where, yeah, there's so many stories and I've just picked one to, to you know, you slowly introduce us. To it. To ease us in. Um, yeah, ease it in. You've got to really want it. You should never rush a shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just got to wait till it's ready. Yes. So the topic for this week's story is human experiments, right? Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. I thought for half a second you were going to say human excrement, and I was <laughs> like, what are we going to talk about for 45 minutes? <laughs> All the but good I mean, juices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No. Human experiments. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm here for this. Well, I think it like the reason why I picked it is because I think, you know, we've done stories about torture and kidnappings and and things like that. And I think this is such a natural sort of progression as that same fear of fear of being held against your will or something horrific happening to you that you're just not even aware is happening or signing yourself up for something and then it just everything goes horribly bad so yeah but i know i tend to go to the juicy really like dark dark places so i'm doing a light one this week kate so it's not too graphic for people i love that it's a light one but it's about human experiments yeah as light as you can get (laughs) 
All right, let's get into it. The Stanford Prison Experiment, or SPE, was designed to examine the effects of situational variables on participants' reactions and behaviours in a two-week simulation of a prison environment. So Stanford University psychology professor Philip Zimbardo, Zimbardo led the research team who ran the study in the summer of 1971. Participants were recruited from the local community with an ad in the newspapers offering $15 per day to male students who wanted to participate in a psychological study of prison life. Volunteers were chosen after assessments of psychological stability and then randomly assigned to being prisoners or prison guards. Make sense? Yes, I'm here. Would you prefer to be a prisoner or a prison guard? Oh, I can't. I'm not really good at being mean to people. Like I couldn't yell and beat people, and especially if it was fake. Um, yeah. Okay. So I guess I'd be a prisoner. I well, I'm a teacher, so I think prison guard is not. A, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a uh, you know, Stretch. it's not too far out of my wheelhouse in terms of the basic skills. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll go. I'll go guard. All right. That's one each. We'll see at the end of the story. Yeah, that's so true. Those volunteers selected to be guards were given uniforms specifically to de-individuate, to de-individuate them and instructed to prevent prisoners from escaping. Okay. The experiment officially started when prisoners were arrested by real Palo Alto police. Over the following five days, psychological abuse of the prisoners by the guards became increasingly brutal. After Christina Maslach visited to evaluate the conditions, she was so upset to see how study participants were behaving that she confronted Zimbardo and he ended the experiment on the sixth day. Okay. So it was meant to go for two whole weeks yeah. and things got so out of hand that by the sixth day it got shut down. Far out. Okay. Now, funding and methodology. How did this all come about? Yeah. The official website of the SBE describes the experiment goal as follows. We wanted to see what the psychological effects were of becoming a prisoner or prison guard. To do this, we decided to set up a simulated prison and then carefully note the effects of the situation on the behaviour of all those within its walls. So not just prisoners or just prison guards. They wanted to see. It's kind of like a free-for-all. What, what the fuck could go wrong if we just let people we, go nuts? What could we do? <laughs> Let's put everybody into a locked-up space with batons and see what happens. <laughs> right. Now, Zimbardo's primary reason for conducting the experiment was to focus on the power of roles, rules, symbols, group identity, and situational val validation of behavior that generally would repulse ordinary individuals. In his own words, I had been conducting research for some years on de-individuation... Stopping you from being individual. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Vandalism and dehumanization that illustrated the ease with which ordinary people could be led to engage in antisocial acts by putting them in situations where they felt anonymous or they could perceive of others in ways that made them less than human, almost like enemies or an object. Yeah. Now, the study was funded by the U.S. Office of Naval Research to understand antisocial behavior. The United States Navy and the United States Marine Corps wanted to investigate conflict between military guards and prisoners. So, okay. 
I mean, like, it's an interesting basis for a study for sure. It's a bit And I think sus, it's fascinating. Right? Yeah. But what are you going to do with this, right? Yeah. Mm. So how were people recruited? After receiving approval from the university to conduct the experiment, study participants were recruited using an ad in the Help Wanted section of the Palo Alto Times and the Stanford Daily Newspapers. So I need someone to mow my lawns on Saturday morning. I need somebody to deliver newspapers and I need somebody to go to prison for two weeks for shits and gigs. $15 a day though. (laughs) Holy moly. Now, male college students needed for psychological study of prison life $15 per day for one to two weeks, beginning August 14th. That's a day before my birthday. Oh, my God. Happy birthday. I actually got that for you this year. <laughs> That's your present, Tom. <laughs> ruined. You ruined the gift. <laughs> uh, for further information and applications, come to room 248 Jordan Hall, Stanford University. And that was the ad. Cool. Right? Catch up. Do you think they had, okay, I'm visualizing. Do you think they walked into the room and there was like coffee in an urn <laughs> and there was cookies and there was pre, you know, pre-packaged muffins from the supermarket? Come in, guys. Grab yourself an orange juice, a coffee, a cookie and come and sit in this circle. <laughs> we are going to fuck you up. Would you like a foot rub? <laughs> Anything Take to Take a pamphlet. <laughs> Now, 75 men applied, and after screening assessments and interviews, 24 were selected to participate in a two-week prison simulation. The applicants were predominantly white, middle class, and appeared to be psychologically stable and healthy. Mm, appeared to appeared be. Appeared to Always be. The case. <laughs> That's like all of Hinge. Yeah, they appear to be normal human men. <laughs> Are they? No. <laughs> we'll find out. Mm. The group of subjects was intentionally selected to exclude those with criminal backgrounds, psychological impairments, or medical problems. Perfect. Good. Can you just, sorry, real quick, can you just remind me of the year that this was again? 1971. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, hair everywhere. (laughs) Hair suit males. Yep. Uh, Great. <laughs> bell bottoms. Got, got bell bottoms. That's it. We've got a tight, like, plaid shirt vibe. Yes. Okay. I'm just easing it. I'm just easing into what's going on in my mind. Cool. Oh, you wait until we see the photos. It's. Oh, my gosh. It's, Is it a fever dream of 70s? Oh, it's borderline pornography oh. in a way. Like oh, the way that me. the sepia tones and the, the, the glasses and the mustaches. And uh, anyway. Perfect. Now, critics of the study have argued that selection bias may have played a role in the results due to the ad describing a need for prisoners and guards rather than a social psychology study. So first mistake. So they put that in the ad. Mm. They said we need prisoners and guards. Yeah, okay, that's a bit sus. So I reckon, do you feel like the, out of all of those participants that went, that they're like, well, I'm going to be a guard for sure. And everybody in there was like 90% of them are like, well, I'm going to be a guard. Yeah. And then, okay. So a few other doctors and, and professors and other scientists have said it's attracted people that were prone to wanting to experience that or have that sort of power. Maybe yes. they're narcissists. Okay. Maybe they're already aggressive, all this sort of stuff. So, yep. you know, we're already fucking shit up. Yeah. Oh, I can't I wait to hear if there were people of, of, you know, other races or colours or things. I'm, yeah, okay. Mm. Just by the look on your face, I, <laughs> mm. I feel like we're going to touch on that. It's just also problematic. 
Excellent. Already from the beginning, we're off to a shit start <laughs> for this project. So what's the prison environment like? The day before the experiment began, small mock prison cells were set up to hold three prisoners each. There was a small corridor for the prison yard, a closet for solitary confinement, and a bigger room across from the prisoners for the guards and a warden. The experiment was conducted in a 35-foot or 11-metre section of the basement of Jordan Hall, Stanford Psychology Building. Right. Yeah. So just in the basement. Come to, just the ba- Debbie's coming to get up her <laughs> papers from the weekend. She's like, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> Guys, do you mind if I just use the, the copier down here? I just said to do a couple of flyers because we've got, the, we've got the, uh, the student society meeting about doing Rogers and Hammerstones <laughs> this year. Don't mind me. Can I me. just pop past? <laughs> Um, now the prison had two fabricated walls one at the entrance and one at the cell wall to block observation each cell was six foot by nine foot or 1.8 meters by 2.7 meters Mm -hmm. they were unlit and they were intended to house three prisoners and had one cot with a mattress sheet and a pillow okay prisoners were confined and were to stay in their cells and the yard all day and night until the end of the study. So two full weeks, no sunlight, you either in your cell or in a corridor that's meant to be the yard. That stinks. And then one, am I getting this right, one bed yeah. for three people? Yeah. Well, they already are setting them up to fail. Yeah. Okay. Now, in contrast, the guards were to stay in a different environment, separate from the prisoners. The guards were given access to special areas for rest and relaxation. The guards were told to work in teams of three for eight-hour shifts, and the guards were not required to stay on site after their shift. So the guards could just nick off. So, Kate, as a guard, you could go get Hungry Jacks after your eight-hour shift and not care. I mean, I can't have Hungry Jacks because I'm celiac. Yeah. Is that okay if I pick something else? Yeah, I was going okay. to say Subway, but you can't do that either. <laughs> I'll fucking try to kill you. I get, it's actually surprisingly tricky to find Guzmani Gomez. Can I go for a Guzmani Gomez? Yes, you I can. I realise it's the 1970s America, but sure. Yeah, Excellent. it works. You're allowed to do that. Thank Please you. don't die from eating bad food. <laughs> no, I just get a bit gassy. Sorry, I digress. Now the roles. Zimbardo took on the role of the superintendent and an undergraduate, which was a research assistant, David Jafe, took on the role of the warden. Mm. Okay, first of all, if you are the professor, like if you're doing the research experiment, you can't then be in the experiment as one of the like players. Like, okay. Yeah, there's. I'm getting a sense of some problems yeah. with this study yeah. just early on. Yeah. I'm just getting a couple of little ripples in the pond. Bloody Stanford. Oh, Stanford. Second-rate education. <laughs> <laughs> now, digitised recordings are available on the official SPE website and they were widely discussed in 2018, particularly one where Warden David Jafe tried to influence the behaviour of one of the guards by encouraging him to participate more and more tough for the benefit of the experiment. Oh, okay. So someone's, my professor is telling me that I have to treat you poorly mm. even more so than I've been doing so far. I don't see how this could go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so orientation, pretty much day one or when they first started. 
Yep. The researchers held an orientation session for the guards the day before the experiment began, during which guards were instructed not to harm the prisoners physically or withhold food or drink, but to maintain law and order. The researchers provided the guards with wooden batons to establish their status, de-individuating clothing similar to that of an actual prison guard, which was like a khaki shirt and pants from a local military Mm -hmm. surplus store, and mirrored sunglasses to prevent any eye eye contact and maintain anonymity. Okay. I feel like we're doing it a little bit of a stretch now. Yeah. So think of... Um, Terminator. Terminator, exactly. It was <laughs> yes. what I was about to say. Perfect. Um, okay, so you're not allowed to see our eyeballs, but like they're inside. Only the Blues Brothers can wear sunglasses inside. <laughs> like that's just so silly. Yeah. I mean, I get that the what they were trying to do there. Same. But you know, look at the photos. It looks really silly. Yeah. Also, I think too, I'm really getting strong, uh, you know, village people vibes from, from the whole thing. Yeah. But I, I think as well, my thoughts would be if they're trying to study this and they're trying to determine how that works in terms of a prison, you know, and you may get to answering this question. I don't know, but I feel like wouldn't you want it to be as realistic to a prison scenario rather than because as far as I'm aware, in prison, each prisoner gets a cot. Mm. They're not. There's not three to a tiny room with one bed for them to fight over. Like they, and then you know the guards aren't walking around with sunglasses on all the time, so you can't make eye contact. They're heightening all of these things really to set them up yep. to cause carnage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You get you hitting it, Kate. We're on the same page. Yeah. I. I, <laughs> I'm, I can't argue with any of that. Can't argue with that. <laughs> I just think try and imagine Let's yourself. Let's agree to agree. Yeah, exactly. And imagine yourself as someone that's applied to do this and is putting your trust. Again, like this goes back to our previous stories. You trust doctors, you trust lawyers, you trust the people in power, cops and stuff. It seems pretty okay. What's the worst that could happen, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Now, based on recordings from the experiment, guards were instructed by the researchers to disrespect the prisoners and make them feel submissive, helpless and unheard. For example, they had to refer to prisoners by number rather than name. This, according to Zimbardo, was intended to diminish the prisoners' individuality. With no control, prisoners learned they had little effect on what happened to them, ultimately causing them to stop responding and give up. Mm. Ugh. Yeah, I hear that. I think too, because, you know, obviously we're I'm big on um, conversion rates and whatnot. We usually do it. So they're getting $15 a day, which in today's money is $115 or $113. Oh, thanks, Kate. So, hey, no problems. But that's not a lot of cash either. Although, you know, yeah, even even for inflation, that's like, yeah. Yeah, it's we just got our minimum wage just bumped in Australia, which... Hey, hey, yeah. awesome news. You Absolutely. would get paid more a minimum wage job than that. So Correct. Yeah. yeah. Now, Zimbardo has explained that guard orientations in the prison system instructed the guards to exert power over the prisoners. Further, Zimbardo asserts that his fellow researcher explicitly instructed the guards to not physically inflict harm on the prisoners, but mm-hmm. at the same time make the prisoners feel that they were in actual prison. So essentially threaten them. Yeah. 
I mean, they've got wooden batten, b- batons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. Asking a person role-playing a guard in a prison simulation to be firm and in the action is mild compared to the pressure exerted by actual wardens and superior officers in real-life prison and military settings. There, where guards failing to participate fully can face disciplinary hearings, demotion, or dismissal. So Mm -hmm. what he's saying there is, you know, in a real-life situation, guards do have the authority to beat, hit, all that sort of stuff. So, But he's trying to justify this experiment by saying, well... We're going lenient here. Like, we're not actually following through. So, you know. Okay. Don't judge. Mm, I'm judging. I'm very quietly sitting here judging. Now, the study was criticised in 2013 for demand characteristics by a psychologist named Peter Gray, who argued that participants in psychological experiments are more likely to do what they believe the researchers want them to do and specifically in the case of SPE, to act out their stereotype views of what prisoners and guards do, mm-hmm. which makes perfect sense. Now, I've got a long list of all these other doctors that like rip this whole thing to shreds. I'm going to yeah. just go past all that because I don't think you need to <laughs> be a doctor to, <laughs> you know. I am a mega podcaster and I have already poked holes in it. Yeah. Through <laughs> this whole time. Imagine if I was a doctor. I reckon I could go even harder. Exactly. So I'm just going to skip most of that because I think like, I want to get to the juicy stuff because I've got actual notes and, and, and um, like documentation of each day through the yes, six please. days, which gets really interesting. Um, but before I do, I do have one story about a guy named David Eshelman, a.k.a. John Wayne was his name <gasps> no. in the experiment. Now, he okay. acknowledges that his theatre background lent itself well to his role as guard, that he purposefully yes. thought of new ways to demean the prisoners. Perfect. So maybe he thought he was going to the Rogers and Hammersteins meeting and ended up in the prison <laughs> exactly. experiment. And he's like, oh, I'm playing the role of guard. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm here for it. Can I just sorry, pause you again? So they called the character John, John Wayne. Wayne. Yeah. Right. Are there other ones that have other, like, is another one Clint Eastwood? Is there an Arnold Schwarzenegger in there? Too early for him, but, you know. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. <laughs> but this John Wayne... Um, he was, like he said, he thought that it, it, his background and his, you know, skills actually lent itself. So he was able to play a little bit more. And on Mm -hmm. one shift, Eshelman or John Wayne, AKA John Wayne instructed the prisoners to simulate sodomy. No. Right. Now Zimbardo has responded to this argument by stating that other guards acted similarly or engaged with Eshelman in the treatment of prisoners. While it is possible that one guard adopted his behaviour from a movie, now Eshelman identified with the warden in Cool Hand Luke, the movie. Mm. Is, that, is that, please let that be our movie of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Others did not. So, yeah. and more importantly, guards on a different shift than Eshelman exacted similar acts of emotional and mental brutality. Now, Zimbardo further argues that the behaviours of the participant guards were not unlike those of real world prison atrocities or the actions taken by American soldiers in the Abu Ghraib prison. Most of the guards mm. have stated since the SPE that they were intentionally acting. 
Yeah, okay. <clears throat> See. I can't, like, as well, watching movies and stuff and their first thing is to be like, Oi, prisoners, poke each other in the butt now. Like, do it. And I'm going to pretend like you're doing that and stop it. Yeah. Like, come on. It's... Pretend you're fighting. Pretend you're, uh, you know not agreeing to the rules right now. Pretend that I've asked you to do something and you are not following instruction. Like, is they literally just go, sodomy. Let's go for it. Mm. Yeah. Now, there was someone named Carlo Prescott who was employed to be a prison consultant. Now, in 2005, an article was published by Carla, Carlo Prescott in the Stanford Daily explaining that the antagonistic tactics used by the guards were ones that he experienced during his time spent in San Quentin. He shared each one in detail with the researchers prior to the experiment. And in Prescott's opinion, the participants in the experiment, having no experience as a prison guard, could not have acted in the ways they did unless they had been told of the explicit details of uh, the actions that they could take. Mm-hmm. So these guards were like fed real life examples of the worst case scenarios and the worst behavior that's happened in real life. So they're kind of grooming these guards to... (laughs) To think like that and behave like that anyway. Yeah. Right. Okay, so let's get into the juicy details of... Juice. You know, day by day what was happening. Let's do it. Because, I mean, they only made it six days, so... (laughs) It's not not like it's going to be, yeah, hit me with it. (laughs) Hit me with your best shot. (laughs) Please. It's sodomy. (laughs) I mean, look, I know, you know, curse or a blessing, one of the the things about human experiments, obviously they're atrocious and, you know, not arguing that point, but just the nature of them being like a scientific sort of experiment, there's lots of material for us as, you know, podcasters that like... Researchers, yeah. human beings. We can go back and, connection. Yeah, and see this sort mm-hmm. of stuff and read about it, right? So it's well documented yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Now, Saturday, August 14th, set up, it's called. The small mock prison cells were set up and the participants who had been assigned a guard role attended an orientation where they were briefed and given uniforms. And cookies. And cookies. And tea and coffee. <laughs> and the password to the, the copy app. To the, to the copy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh. Easy first day. Sunday, August 15th, my birthday. Day one. Happy birthday. <laughs> Arrest of prisoners. <laughs> the participants who had been assigned a prisoner role were mock arrested by the local Palo Alto police at their homes or assigned sites. The participants were intentionally not informed that they would be arrested as the researchers wanted it to come as a surprise. So, like, fuck me. These people didn't even realise that they were going to be arrested in public. Cool. That's There's no problem with that. I don't see an issue. This was a breach of the ethics of Zimbardo's own contract that all of the participants had signed. The arrest involved charging them with armed robbery and burglary. Penal codes 211 and 459, respectively. Ah, of course. The Palo Alto Police Department assisted Zimbardo's team with the simulated arrests and conducted full booking procedures on the prisoners at the Palo Alto City Police Headquarters, which which included Miranda rights, fingerprinting, and taking mugshots. 
All of these actions were video documented by a local San Francisco TV station reporter traveling around in Zambardo's car. Meanwhile, three guards prepped for the arrival of the inmates. The prisoners were then transported to the mock prison from the police station, Sirens Awayland. They got the full regalia. Oh my God. The, all the bells and whistles, so to speak. Yes. So were they, was there any documentation about how they were transported there? Because if they were transported just in the back of the divvy van <laughs> and then they get out and they're like, why are we at Stanford University? Why are we going in the basement? Woo, I would woo, assume woo, potentially woo. maybe bagged, black bagged or blindfolded. Quite possibly. Okay. The prisoners were then transported to the mock prison from the police station site in Zerwailing. In the Stanford mm-hmm. County Jail, <laughs> they were systematically strip-searched, given their new identities, which was just the in- inmate identification number, number. and okay. a uniform. Yep. Okay. Are we feeling orange? Are we feeling grey? What are we feeling? I just really need to visualise it. What are we feeling? Where it's like full block colour, like white with black writing. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. Prisoners wore uncomfortable, ill-fitting smocks without any underwear and stocking caps, as well as chain around one ankle. Okay. Guards were instructed to call prisoners by their assigned numbers sewn on their uniforms instead of by name, thereby dehumanising prisoners. Mm-hmm. The prisoners were then greeted by the warden, who conveyed the seriousness of their offence and their new status as prisoners. And they're like, sorry, like hand up. I've got a question. Why did I get arrested again? <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> they have no idea why they've been, like. I mean, obviously they've been told you've been arrested for burglary or yeah. what the other penal code was, but they are they don't know that the experiment has started. Yeah, they just this is Great. this is happening. So it could have been okay. a real life scenario. Yeah. Now, with the rules of the prison presented to them, the inmates retired to their cells for the rest of the first day of the experiment. Traumatic day two, right? Yeah. Day three, Monday, August 16th, day two of the actual prisoner uh, mm-hmm. experience. And this is the lineup. So guards referred to prisoners by their identification and confined them to their small cells. At 2.30 a.m., the prisoners rebelled against the guards. Wake-up calls uh, of whistles and clanging of batons. Prisoners refused to leave their cells to eat in the yard, ripped off their inmate number tags, took off their stocking caps and insulted the guards. On day two? Yeah. Day two, they're like, I'm not having this. (laughs) So the guards have woken them up at 2.30 in the morning to eat? Yeah. Okay, so are they like desensitizing, dehumanizing them by waking them at all hours and things and thus there's no daylight or anything like that? Absolutely. Right. Now, me doing a little bit of digging, 24 hours is like pretty standard before people start to lose their shit in a way. Like yeah. they start to push back and find boundaries and stuff like that. Even in knowing if it's an experiment or not, it's just natural for people to go, I'm not tolerating this. Yeah. That's why I always like Wednesday morning about 10 a.m. I start getting annoyed about being at work. <laughs> <laughs> Preach. <laughs> not really. I love my job. Keep me employed. Thanks. So, in response to this rebellion, guards sprayed five extinguishers at the prisoners to reassert control. Perfect. The three backup guards were called in to help regain control of the prison. Guards removed all of the prisoners' clothes, removed mattresses, and sentenced the main instigators to time in the hole. Perfect. The tiny cupboard. Mm-hmm. With the copier. <clears throat> 
with the goalie on. Can I? I'm just sidebar. <laughs> so sorry. Photocopiers, not a thing, and I didn't say <laughs> But this is what they would have needed to do. So how were copies made in the 70s? A user took a document freshly written in special ink, placed a moistened sheet of translucent paper against the ink surface and squeezed the two sheets together in the press, causing some of the ink from the original document. So making those Rogers and Hammersteins and (laughs) like, what a time. (laughs) I just am getting really finicky about about our detail. But we can still imagine a nice Xerox. That's fine. Yeah, we're nothing but accurate here at Shitting Bricks. That's exactly right. We've always said that from the very beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Now, they attempted to dissuade any further rebellion using psychological warfare. One of the guards said to the other that these are dangerous prisoners. Mm. So understand, people have not met one another. They don't know. It's all live happening there. So... It's, and I'm going to assume as well that in the original meeting when they met to like discuss the project and for people to put their hands up for it, that probably, I mean, they all, it, not not every one of them would have been selected. Yeah. So they would have no memory or recall of seeing these people before or having met them or anything. Plus, nobody knew when that, like, it was going to start. So they don't know Adam from Eve. They're just doing their thing. These could be real prisoners. These could be yeah. real Guards. Maybe they switched them out to conduct this experiment. They don't know. Now, Tuesday, August 17th, day three. In order to restrict further acts of disobedience, the guards separated and rewarded prisoners who had minor roles in the rebellion. The three spent time in the good cell where they received clothing, beds and food denied to the rest of the jail population. After an estimated 12 hours, the three returned to their old cells that lacked beds. Guards were allowed to abuse their power to humiliate the inmates. They had the prisoners count off and do push-ups arbitrarily, restricted access to the bathrooms, and forced them to relieve themselves in a bucket in their cells. Mm. Prisoner 8612. The first prisoner to leave the experiment was Douglas Corpy. After 36 hours, he had an apparent mental breakdown in which he yelled, Jesus Christ, I'm burning up inside. And he said, I can't stand another night. I just can't take it anymore. Upon seeing his suffering, research assistant Craig Haney immediately reached prisoner 8612. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> probably good. You would. <laughs> probably a good idea. <laughs> Hey, uh, I've just been looking at 8612 and I just, I don't think he's coping. I think we might give him the flick. Give him a $10 voucher to Guzmani Gomez. (laughs) (laughs) And send him on his way. (laughs) Wait, I've I've got to make a copy of his release form. (laughs) Did anyone bring the special ink? Where's Barb? Get Barb. She's got the special ink. Comedy gold. Oh, Barb. Now, however, in 2017 interview, Corpy stated that his breakdown had been fake and that he did it only so that he could leave and return to studying for his graduate record exam. Perfect. He had originally thought that he could study while in prison, but the prison oh, staff yeah. would not allow him. There was no library. and <laughs> <laughs> missed out on the library. Yep. Now, further, Corpy expressed regret that he had not filed a false imprisonment charge at the time. Mm. Now, Zimbardo... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so many holes to poke in this. Yep. No shit. Oh. 
Now, Zimbardo responded to his, this criticism in 2018. First, while this experiment had been criticised overall for its ethics, Zimbardo stated that he needed to treat the breakdown as real and release the prisoner. So now he has a fucking conscience. Mm. Further, Zimbardo believes Corpy's 2017 interview was a lie. Now, Zimbardo has this tendency to undermine any flack or feedback or discredit or interviews anyone that ever speaks out about the interview Zimbardo just goes oh no it was someone else from somewhere else that was paid to yeah. write this stuff like he just it's flat out refuses a full trumpian maneuver just narcissist yeah. absolute sociopath wild you know oh yeah, yeah okay so in an interview in 2017, sorry, in 1992, there was a documentary film about the study done called Quiet Rage, and Corpy asserted that the prison experiment had deeply affected him and that, that experience led Corpy to later become a prison psychologist. So go Corpy. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, that's a really good scenario for a really awful three yeah. days um, for a scenario that you didn't actually ask for no. and that nobody told you that was what was going to happen. And what? He got $45? Boom. Yeah. God. And a ten dollar voucher to Guzman. Yeah. Wednesday, August eighteenth, day four. Witnessing the guards divide prisoners based on their good or rebellious behaviour, the inmates started to distance themselves from one another. Mm. Rioters believed that the other prisoners were snitches and vice versa. Other prisoners saw that saw the rebels as a threat to the status quo since they wanted to have their sleeping cots and clothes again. Prisoner 819 began showing symptoms of distress. He began crying in his cell. A priest was brought in to speak with him, but 819 declined to talk and instead asked for a medical doctor. After hearing, hearing him cry, Zimbardo reassured him of his actual identity and removed the prisoner. Mm. When 819 was leaving, the guards cajoled the remaining inmates to loudly and repeatedly decry that 819 is a bad prisoner. Oh. Thursday, all nice send off, right? <laughs> Thursday, August nineteenth, day five. The day was scheduled for visitations by friends and family of the inmates in order to simulate the prison experience. Mm -hmm. Zimbardo and the guards made visitors wait for long periods of time to see their loved ones. Only two visitors could see any one prisoner, and only for just ten minutes while a guard watched. Parents grew concerned about their son's well-being and whether they had enough to eat. Some parents left with plans to contact lawyers to gain early release of their children. Yes, please. Smart parents. Yes. On the same day, Zimbardo's colleague Gordon H. Bauer arrived to check on the experiment and question Zimbardo about what the independent variable of the research was. Mm-hmm. Now, good old mate Christina Maslach... Remember her from the beginning? She also visited the prison that night and was distressed by observing the guards abusing the prisoners, forcing them to wear bags over their heads. She challenged Zimbardo about his lack of caring oversight and the immorality of the study. Finally, she made evident that Zimbardo had been changed by his role as superintendent into someone she did not recognise and did not like. Her direct challenges prompted Zimbardo, Zimbardo to end the SPE the next day. Mm. Now, Friday, August 20th, day six. Due to Maslach's objections, the parents' concerns and the increasing brutality exhibited by guards in the experiment, 
Zimbardo ended the study on day six. Zimbardo gathered the participants, so the guards, the prisoners, and the researchers, to let them know that the experiment was over and arranged to pay them the full fee for 14 days, which is $210, which is, I've already done the equivalent for you, Kate. Uh, It's just under $1,500 in 2022. Okay. See, that's better for six days of work. Exactly. But not for what they endured. No. Zimbardo met for several hours of informed debriefing, first with all of the prisoners, then the guards, and finally everyone came together to share their experiences. Let's have a little share circle, circle show after you've made a me circle. piss in the bucket. Let's have a chat. <laughs> Rough, right? <laughs> Next, all participants were asked to complete a personal retrospective to be mailed to him subsequently. <laughs> Can you please fill out this survey? Did you enjoy this experiment? Disagree. Strongly disagree. <laughs> Neutral. Somewhat agree. Strongly agree. Yep. <laughs> and finally, all participants were invited to return a week later to share their opinions and emotions. Great. Later, the physical components of the Stanford County Jail were taken down and out of the basement of Jordan Hall as the cells returned to their usual function as grad student officers. <laughs> Zimbardo and yeah I know right like oh god imagine that Zimbardo and his graduate student research team Craig Haney and Curtis Banks began compiling the multiple sources of data that would be the basis for several articles they soon wrote about the experiment and for Zimbardo's later expanded and detailed review of the SPE in the Lucifer effect which is that doesn't sound fun no each time you say SBE, it makes me think of SBD, which is silent but deadly fart, if you don't know. And it's funnier. I always think of it. The experiment's not funny. No. But farts are always funny. And I think of SPC beans. Oh, SPC. What was there a theme song for that? SPC baked beans and spaghetti. I don't know what else it was, but something remember. like that. But I love that we're doing beans, farts, human experiment. It's meant to be. Yeah. Now, interpretation of the results. <laughs> I can't imagine it was particularly positive of... based on what you said. <laughs> now, according to Zimbardo's interpretation of the SPE, it demonstrated mm. that the simulated prison situation, rather than individual personality traits, caused the participants' behaviour. Using this situational attribution, attribution, the results are compatible with those of the Milgram experiment where participants compiled with orders to administer seemingly dangerous and potentially lethal electric shocks. Right. So Milgram experiment, go look that one up, right? So again... Look, we'll probably do an episode about it, but yeah... (laughs) Look, I've, I've picked a relatively benign human experiment to start us off with. I like this. Yeah. We're going to go pretty ham. I see where it's going. <laughs> I definitely see where it's going. Now, conclusions and observations drawn by the experimenters were largely subjective and anecdotal, and the experiment is practically impossible for other researchers to accurately reproduce, nor mm. should they because of ethics. In 1973, Eric Fromm argued as only a third of the guards displayed sadistic behaviours, SBE is more accurately an example of how a situation cannot influence a person's behaviour. 
He states that, they, that there were generalizations in the experiment's results and argued that the personality of an individual does affect behavior when imprisoned. This obviously ran counter to the study's conclusion that the prison situation itself controls the individual's behavior. Fromm also argued that the methods employed to screen participants could not determine the amount of sadism in the subjects. Yeah. Yeah. That's a different test. They just didn't have that one that day. It does not end here. Now, there is another study. Now, psychologists Alex Haslam and Steve Riker conducted the BBC prison study in 2002 to examine Zimbardo's themes of tyranny and resistance and published the results in 2006. Like, we're talking less than 20 years ago. 2006? (laughs) Sorry, I turned New Zealand there for a second. It's 2006 and my jandals and my chilli bun. That was awful. I'm so sorry. I can sometimes do accents and I really went off the rails there. I was absolutely out over my skis on that one. (laughs) That's a New Zealand joke there. I love it. It was. It's actually from... um, it's an episode title from Rob Lowe's podcast, literally, and it was it was quite good. I think he was interviewing John Stamos. I digress. <laughs> oh, okay. So the BBC prison study it was a partial replication of the SBE conducted with the assistance of the BBC, which broadcast a documentary <laughs> series about the SBE called The Experiment. Mm-hmm. Now, as in the SBE, there was a makeshift prison and all participants were male. Unlike the SBE's invitation to participate, Haslam and Riker advertised their study as a university-backed social science experiment to be shown on TV. And the guards were not instructed on how to behave, only to figure out how to manage a prison. So essentially, they weren't fed or biased by previous stories well, they're like cool they didn't watch cool hand luke yeah. before anybody went in yeah okay see that also sounds a little bit like the ad for jersey shore <laughs> <laughs> like it's a social experiment that you all stay in the same place <laughs> there's cameras everywhere yeah there's cameras will be on telly mm. those selected as prisoners were instructed to daily complete a questionnaire both prisoners and guards in this study wore microphones on their shirts and cameras followed all participants actions okay So a little bit more, we know we're in a TV show scenario. Okay. So their results and conclusions were very different to Zimbardo's. And funnily enough, Zimbardo totally disregards their their study. It is like, this is just a reality TV show. So Yeah, but I'm here for it. I'll watch any reality TV show. Mm. So what's been the legacy of this study? One positive result of the study is that it has altered the way US prisons are run. For example, juveniles accused of federal crimes are no longer housed before trial with adult prisoners due to the risk of violence against them. Yeah. You know, woof. I mean, that's annoying. That <laughs> to me is a no-brainer, but okay. Yeah. Now, it's interesting that Zimbardo's experiment was actually referenced and used, you know, for bills brought to Congress and Senate and everything. Like, it's quite interesting that it despite all the problems that it had, it, it wasn't completely discredited. Completely and, useless. Yeah. yeah. So. Now, that is, I mean, that's interesting because, yeah, but by listening to the examples of what has happened, 
uh, yeah, you would think that not many people are going to look at it. But that's, I mean, that's a positive. Yeah. If it's bringing in some good reforms. All right, we're almost done. Let's just go over some ethical concerns. Like, Kate, we like to always do, you know, tips and tricks how to survive. Tips, tricks, handy hints. How can we help you survive? If you're a, if you're a scientist out there and you're wondering why, what's the problem with any of this? Let, let me tell you why. Take a seat. Pop a squat. We'll tell you. Some of the guards' behaviour allegedly led to dangerous and psychologically damaging situations. Ethical concerns surrounding the experiment often draw comparisons to the Milgram experiment, the shock one, electric shock mm-hmm. one. And that was conducted 10 years earlier in 1961 at Yale University. Each prisoner... So, that next... Next thing, sorry. Next. Not next ethical issue. Yeah, next ethical issue. That's right. Each prisoner was systematically searched and stripped naked. He was then deloused with a spray to convey our belief that he may have germs or lice. Now, real male prisoners don't wear dresses, but real male prisoners do feel humiliated and do feel emasculated. Mm-hmm. Our goal was pr- to produce similar effects quickly by putting men in a dress without any underclothes. Indeed, as, as soon as some of our prisoners were put in these uniforms, they began to walk and sit differently and hold themselves differently, more yeah. like a woman than like a man. There's a whole that's nother an thing. Interesting. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that is a whole nother kettle of fish right there, yeah. but okay. The experiment was perceived by many to involve questionable ethics, the most serious concern being it was continued even after participants expressed their desire to withdraw. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, there should be a a get-out clause. So since the time of the SPE, ethical guidelines for experiments involving human subjects have become way more strict. The Mm -hmm. Stanford Prison Experiment led to the implementation of rules to preclude any harmful treatment of participants. Before they are implemented, human studies must now be reviewed by an institutional review board in the US or ethics committee in the UK and found to be in accordance with, with ethical guidelines set by a lot of standards and, you know, associations and all that good stuff. That makes sense. And that is good. A post-experimental debriefing is now considered an important ethical consideration to ensure that participants are not harmed in any way by their experience. Mm -hmm. Though the researchers did conduct a debriefing sessions, they were several years after the SPE. And by that time, numerous details were forgotten. Nonetheless, Zimbardo has concluded from his follow-up research that participants experienced no lasting negative effects. (laughs) Of course you did, Zimbardo. Yeah. So, yeah. How convenient. Yeah. Now, the American Psychological Association specifies that the debriefing process should occur as as soon as possible to assess any psychological harm that may have been done to rehabilitate participants if necessary. And if there's any avoidable delay in debriefing, the researcher is obligated to take steps to minimise harm. Yeah. They didn't even have a fucking doctor on call. Didn't have a psychologist on call. Like, none of this stuff. Yeah. All right, Kate. So that was the story. How has this stuff appeared in pop culture? I hear you ask. I did ask that. How did you know? (laughs) Now, there's a 2001 German language film called Das Experiment. Very good. It's obviously based in it. And it was remade in 2010 um, again as just The Experiment. There's mm-hmm. also a 2015 film called The Stanford Prison Experiment, which is going to be our mm-hmm. pop culture of the week. Nice. It's actually a really good movie. I highly 
encourage you to watch it. Can I see it on a Netflix or something? Uh, no, I had to I, okay. I had to acquire Borrow it, it by other means. Yes. <laughs> uh, there's a YouTube series called Minefield, hosted by Michael Stevens. It features an episode discussing the experiment. There's an episode on Veronica Mars where they talk about oh, no talk way. about it and sort wow. of recreate elements of it. There's yep. an episode of American Dad, which makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. I would rate to see that. Yep. And in the fanfic Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, four chapters are named after and make references to the Stanford Prison Experiment. Ooh, okay. That was a cool one. That was a little off the wall pop culture. I like that. Yeah. That was cute. And that, Kate, is our first ever story of human experiments gone terribly Yay. wrong. I love that. That was great. And I did like that it was a bit of an ease in. I do need an ease in sometimes. So I appreciate that. That was great. Yeah. I I always go super heavy, super quick. So I'm I'm going to go there. Which Don't I worry. Also like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait. That's going to be so great. That was a great story, Dom, and so well told. Thank you for sharing that with us. It's nice to be back. I've missed telling stories. Yay. It's good to have you back. Not that you ever like physically went anywhere, but yeah, it's nice. It's nice to sit back and absorb a new story. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Um, I want to send a big thank you and shout out to all of our new patrons. Please go check us out. Just search patreon.com forward slash shitting bricks. Yay. Sign up. Follow us on social media and we love you. Yeah. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye, brickies. That's my fire alarm going off. Chelsea's cooking. Can you tell? Can you hear that? She's burning the house down. This is a great end to the episode. Hope you survive, Kate. (laughs) Good luck with that. Oh, good. Fingers crossed. Bye. Bye. (laughs) That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush, and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.